All right, we're continuing in our summer study through the book of Psalms. We're in part six today. Last week, I received a, a, a question uh, that I thought was a great question. Um, somebody, somebody asked a question, I'd like to start reading the Bible, but I'm not even sure where to begin. Do you have any recommendations on how to read the Bible? And I thought, you know, that's a great question. I thought, well, let me just take a moment here at the beginning to talk about that. I typically recommend if you're, you're just starting out reading the Bible, that you start in the book of John, the fourth gospel. Just start in the book of John, read it front to back, start there. Once you've completed that, then go back to Matthew and then just read the entire New Testament all the way through. There's 27 books. I encourage you to read two to three chapters a day to kind of get into uh, the rhythm of reading. And uh, there will be some passages that you're going to find complicated or difficult. Just plow through them. Don't worry about whether you get it all figured out. Just keep plowing through it. And over time, a lot of these things will make sense to you. So my recommendation is to read three chapters in the New Testament, uh, one psalm and one proverb uh, every day. Uh, one psalm, uh, we read psalms for comfort, we read proverbs for wisdom. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, we studied that last summer. You read one a month, or one a, you know, one a day, and you'll get through the entire book of Proverbs in a month. It'll take you about five months to get through the, get through the psalms. But it's just amazing how God's word speaks to you when you're going through things, you know, just so happen that you're reading the right psalm on the right day to deal with what you're going through. So that's kind of how I recommend if you're kind of new getting started off and reading the Bible, what to do. We're going to read a psalm today that does just what I talked about. It, it provides comfort to those who maybe are going through a, a challenging or difficult time. It helps you to correctly frame and uh, understand the, the situation that you're facing and the problems that uh, you're going through and, and can provide some real uh, comfort. It can provide uh, confidence in the face of fear. If you're facing something that's kind of scary or something that you're not sure how to do, this can provide some confidence for that. Uh, the author of this psalm is David, and David faced many challenges in his life, many difficulties. He had his share of pain and of sorrow and family issues and regret. Uh, he was chased down by enemies, and, and he, it seems as he just always had some kind of an oppressor that was, that was pressing down on him. And so the psalm we're going to study today, Psalm 27, is written during a time of extreme discomfort in, in David's life. Um, you can kind of sense the fact that he was confused and wasn't sure what to do. He didn't know where to turn. Uh, wicked people wanted to destroy him. Uh, and I guess you could just say overall, it was a, it was a difficult time in his life. And uh, so let's, let's just turn there. If you have your Bible, Psalm 27, we'll begin reading in verse one or not. You can follow along on the screens. Scripture says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, for he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, God, I pray that you would 
perhaps show us some things that uh, God would bring comfort. Lord, uh, my sense is there are folks that have come here today and they're facing some, some challenging times. There are some that are going through some real difficulties today. There may be some that are joining us online that uh, they're going through the most painful time of their life, the most discouraging time of their life. And uh, Father, I pray that uh, your word today would, would, would bring comfort to their hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that you would give us that piece of, just that piece of wisdom, that piece of knowledge that, 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 will, that will just help us to uh, get through today and the next day and the next day. Uh, God, I pray that uh, you would speak through me, God, just exactly what you'd have us to uh, know and hear today, and uh, we just dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. So as you break down this psalm, you just study, the first six verses here really is David kind of talking to himself, and then when we get to verse seven, he kind of transitions into a prayer where he's praying to God, and then we get to the last verse, and he's back to kind of talking to himself. Uh, any of you talk to yourself? Anybody here? That, uh, oh, well, the hands went up quick. A lot of us talk to ourselves, right? How many of you tell yourself jokes? <laughs> I do that. I don't know about you, but I think of funny things. You know, I can't really say them out loud, but I say, I think these funny things and I like, I, I crack myself up sometimes, you know, uh, I, you know, I write lyrics to songs that I can never sing to anybody, but you know, these things pop into my head. I don't know. You know, these things happen, but David here, he's kind of speaking to himself and he just kind of tells himself what he needs to hear. And sometimes as a leader, if you lead an organization, or if you're any kind of a leader, you know that sometimes the only person you have to talk to is you and God because you can't necessarily share with everybody. So sometimes, you know, you just have to kind of talk to yourself. Well, if I do this, then this will happen. But if I don't do this, then that. And I don't know that we can really afford that, but what other option do we have? You kind of process and kind of verbalize what's going on in your head. I think that's kind of what David is doing here. He's kind of process, verbalizing, and thinking through what's going on in his life. And uh, these first six verses just kind of give us a glimpse into what he's thinking as he ponders this situation. Whatever it was, it doesn't sound pleasant. In verse two, he said, when the wicked advance against me to devour me. Now, he's not talking about cannibals here. He's talking about people who want to destroy him, the people who want to kill him, maybe people who want to tear down his character, people who want to destroy his reputation or spread lies about him. He says, though an army besiege me, surround me, the war breaks out against me. You ever felt like that? Like everything in your life is coming against you and, and your enemies are all around you? We don't know exactly the situation that David was referring to in this passage, but we know that whatever it was, it, it, it shook him up. It sounds like his enemies were on his heels. I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, literally, he did have armies that were on his heels. Can you imagine having an army that was chasing you? How scary that would be? Most of us will never experience that. But we have other fears. We have other things fears of the unknown, fears of calamity, fears of sickness and disease and death. Remember COVID, the early phase of COVID? Everybody was, you know, they, they, you know they, they'd done so much to scare everybody. It was scared to death to leave your house. You know, fear of losing your job or the fear of rejection or criticism or, or fear of being alone or losing someone that you love. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter the source of our fear. What matters is how we deal with those fears. Whatever David was facing, it was triggering some kind of fear response in his life. So what did he do? Well, we see that he reminded himself of what he knew to be true. Verse one, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
You can just kind of hear him going, you know what? <laughs> you know, God is my light and God is my salvation. So who really should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now you notice here, David wasn't psyching himself up like a motivational speaker saying, you're wonderful and you're awesome and you're smart and you can do this. This wasn't some self-help motivational hoorah speech that he gave himself. No, this was him reminding himself of the fact that God is with him. He was remembering how good God is, not so much how good he is. David says that the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation, the Lord is my stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, if, if the Lord is on your side, what do we have to fear, right? David was relying on the presence of God in his life. Sometimes when we get fearful, it's, it, it stems from the fact that we forget the fact that God is everywhere present, that God is right there with you, that God knows what you're seeing, he knows what you're hearing, he knows how you're feeling, he knows what you're going through, and he is with you. But we forget that, and fear comes in. David remembered that he was part of the family of God. And even when, when, when you go through a dark time in your life, God is with you, even though you can't see him necessarily in the dark. God is there. He'll direct, he'll correct, he'll instruct you in the way that you should go. That's why David said, the Lord is my light. You know, fear runs rampant in the dark, but light removes the fear right? You ever lay at bed at night and hear a noise? You're like, what was that? You nudge your wife, say, hey, go check that out. You know? <laughs> if you ever been driving, you go out and you get in your car at night someplace and you start driving and you think you hear something in the back seat <laughs> and you're like, uh, now what do I do? You know, you kind of turn the light on and look back there real fast, you know? But many of you have been to my house for the Christmas celebration and other events, and you know, I, you know, I've got uh, some acreage in the back, and you know, I'll go back there and I'll mow all day long. You know, not a problem. We'll, I'll fix fence, whatever needs to be done in the backyard. It is no big deal. I'll, I'll go back there all day long. But at night, you will not catch me going back there at night in the dark by myself. You say why? Because there are creatures in our neighborhood that eat other creatures. <laughs> they do, and they've been on my property. Bears and, and coyotes and, and panthers and, cro and, and alligators and uh, pythons, you know, all right there. So if you think I'm walking around in the dark back there at my house, you're crazy. That's not gonna happen. However, if you give me a big enough flashlight, one that can be seen from outer space, uh, you give me a flashlight and I can light up the backyard, now all of a sudden, guess what? I have no problem walking around because light dispels the fear, right? Well, that's kind of what David is saying here in this passage, you know, that, that God is my light. Light alleviates fear. It exposes the reality of the situation. So many of our fears stem from an overactive imagination, right? You know, we can just really get ourselves worked up you know, when we hear a noise, when we think about something, or what, what you know, any of you struggle with, with what ifs, you know, and, and you just, you know, all of a sudden, well, what if this happens, or what if that, or what if this, or what, or what if, what if, and all of a sudden, you can't sleep at night because you're running through all of these different scenarios in your mind. 
Shel Silverstein wrote a poem many years ago talking about the what-ifs. Let me read it to you. Last night, while I lay thinking here, some what-ifs crawled inside my ear and pranced and partied all night long and sang their same old what-if song. What if I'm dumb in school? What if they've closed the swimming pool? What if I get beat up? What if there's poison in my cup? What if I start to cry? What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk the test? What if green air grows on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? What if I don't grow taller? What if my head grows smaller? What if the fish won't bite? What if the wind tears up my kite? What if they start a war? What if my parents get divorced? What if the bus is late? What if my teeth don't grow straight? What if I tear my pants? And what if I never learn to dance? Everything seems well and then the nighttime what ifs strike again. Cute little poem. Unfortunately, most of those aren't the what ifs that we deal with. The ones we deal with are what if it's cancer? What if he leaves? What if she leaves? What if I run out of money? What if I never get to see them again? And, and all of a sudden, these what-ifs, they just, they just come down and, and they get into our head and they can really create all kinds of uncertainty which triggers fears and uh, triggers all kinds of questions and causes us to, to begin to worry. Um, when, when we let these worries take root, it, it, it creates all kinds of other issues and anxieties and, and things like this. And listen, if you're the, you're the kind of person that, that deals with what ifs and, and, and fears, just remember that he is your light. He is your salvation. He is always with you every step of the way. He is the stronghold of your life. So if you're in a dark place this morning, let me, let me share with you another psalm that David wrote. Psalm 119, verse, just one verse, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You know, God's word, God speaks to us through his word and it brings light to our situation. He gives us enough light for our next step, not necessarily for our next steps, Right? We want God to show us way down the road. God, where does this lead? Where, how is this going to end? God, shine the light way down the path, but that's not what God does. He gives us enough light for this step. You know, we're waiting for God to give us a map, and he usually just says, well, let me show you where you can put your foot next. And so we end up taking small steps, but know this, that while you're taking small steps, God is preparing your next steps. So you have to just trust in him, that he'll give you enough light to take the next step, but you're gonna have to trust him for the ones after that. I've learned in life that God will never give you as much of the picture as you want. He just doesn't. He never gives me as much of the picture as I would like to see. How is this gonna end, or what do we know is gonna happen? But we do have truth through scripture. Uh, Paul said in Romans 8, 31, if God is for you, who can be against you, right? You know? Is God on your side or not? If God is on your side, then who can be against you? Isaiah put it this way. He said, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Remember the fact that you are God's. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're his. You're a child of God. You're joiners with Jesus. You're a son or daughter of God. God is in your family. So Isaiah understood this. David understood this. Paul understood this. And we need to remember this. You are a child of God. David continues, Psalm 27, three. 
Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, look at this, I will be confident. Where does confidence come from? Confidence comes from our dependence on God. It's not in confidence in our abilities, our flesh, or our resources, or our ingenuity. Our confidence comes from our dependence on God. The fact that we, we are part of a family, and God is, God is with us, and he is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. We can trust him. So what did David ask from God? Verse four, he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze in the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. David said, this is what I, I just wanna live in the Lord's house. I just wanna, I just wanna be in God's house. And I don't think it's because of how beautiful God's house is gonna be because God's house is gonna be beautiful, but I don't think that's what he was looking for. And I don't think it's the fact that he wanted it because of the comforts it would provide, even though, even though when we get to heaven and when we're in God's presence, there's gonna be tremendous comfort and it's gonna be an incredibly beautiful place. I don't think that's what David was really longing for. David wanted to be in the house of the Lord because that's where the Lord is, right? And he knew that if I'm in God's house, I'm safe, Right? I'm safe. Listen, when, when we get to heaven, when we're in God's house, fear is done. We don't have to worry about anything. No oppressors, no wars, no struggles, no sin, nothing. God is in the house, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. And David said, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that day is coming, and it will be a wonderful day. But until then, we live here on earth but we can still experience the presence of God. And we see this kind of in the latter half of this psalm. Uh, David now begins to pray to God in, in verse seven. And let's, let's pick it up. He says, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord where? In the land of the living. That's here on earth. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. What's David praying here? He's saying, God, I want your presence here and now. I want to feel your presence in my life. I want to know that you're with me. And you know, David is not asking from God anything that God has not already promised. We see this throughout scriptures. Hebrew 4.16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
You realize the fact that you can come to the throne of grace, you can come to God, you can talk to God anytime you want, 24-7, you can call out to God. Isn't that an amazing thing? You don't have to worry about getting put on hold, you don't have to wonder if he's on the other end of the line, that you can take your request boldly before the throne of grace at any time and he will hear you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, in chapter five, verse 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen, as a child of God, your prayers are powerful. They're effective, they move God. God, God, God responds to our prayers. He actually wants us to pray to him. He wants to answer our prayers and grant our request. He wants to meet our needs. He wants to deliver us from evil. He wants to guide our steps and direct our paths. But there's a hard part to all of this. The hardest part of the whole passage, and it's found right there at the very end in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, when we're in a fearful situation, we want, we want action, right? We want an immediate response. We want to pray, and we want God to do something now. We want the problem solved now. God, I've prayed. Where are you at? You gonna do this? I've already prayed. Let's do this. And, uh, you know, I think David was mature enough that when he got up from praying about the oppressors, about the, 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 you know, the, the people that were going to war with him, he knew, I believe, that when he got up from prayer that those people didn't just all disband and leave. He knew that it was gonna take some time, but he made the request to God. You see, a major part of faith is waiting on God. And we hate it because we hate to wait. We want it done now. But you need to understand that God sees things you don't see. God knows things you don't know. And God's working out a lot of plans. There are six or seven billion people on this planet, and many of them are praying to him. And many of those plans interact and overlap and, and, and go together. And often we don't see till months or even years down the, down the road, like, oh, I see what you were doing there, God. But when it's right here in our nose, we can't see it. We just want him to do what we asked him to do. But he's like, well, if I did what you asked you to do, uh, you wouldn't like it down the road because it's not the right answer. He's not a theologian, but Garth Brooks wrote a song about this. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? You know, sometimes, you know, God knows what we need more than we do, and we just need to trust him and wait, we need to stop trying to, to, to fix it and do it and move it and buy it and resolve it. We just need to trust God and say, okay, God, I, 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 believe, you know, I believe you know better than I do. Sometimes we just need to rest in God. We just need to, you know, we, we just need to pray, make our request known to God, boldly come before the throne of grace, put it out there, and then rest, but some of you aren't very good at resting. I'm not a real good rester, I'll be honest with you. You know, If you're a mover and a shaker, if you like to get things done, 
It, it doesn't come naturally for you to just kind of sit around and wait. Let me ask you this, if, if, if that describes you, if you're a, a get her done kind of a person and you know, you've prayed but you're ready for God to do something now and if he doesn't, well then you're gonna have to. Can I just, can I ask you a question? Do you think you're busier than the king of Israel? Do, do you think that your schedule is busier than David's schedule? was? Do you think you have more on your plate than David had on his plate? Do you think your problems are bigger than David's problems? Because as I was pondering this this week, it dawned on me that David was a pretty busy guy, right? I mean, he just had the demands of the entire nation, the country, on his shoulders, that's a major, major thing. He, he, he was almost always at war fighting people that were trying to steal what he had and take over the country. He had multiple family obligations. David had at least eight wives and 19 children that we know of and concubines on top of that. You know, now understand the fact that God didn't endorse that and that was a sin for David to do that, but nevertheless, it is the reality of what David did. If you think about it, 19 kids, eight wives, if you spend 10 minutes with each one a day, that was four and a half hours of his day, you know, just talking to family, you know? He was a busy guy. So much of his time spent strategizing and figuring out how to defend himself from those who were attacking and how to attack those that the Lord had told him to conquer. So when you look at David's life, how does it compare to yours? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're a very, very, very busy person. And so maybe your life is at least as busy as David. I'll, I'll grant you that. Let's see what David said in another Psalm, Psalm 62, verse five. He said, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Do you see what David is saying here? He's saying the way that he got through it was by resting in God. And resting in God involves a tremendous amount of trust. Do you believe that God is gonna take care of your situation? Do you believe God is gonna answer your prayer? Do you believe that God has your best interest in mind? That's kind of what it boils down to, isn't it? If you're the kind of person, if it's to be, it's up to me, or the fact that, you know, well, I'll pray, but you know, if God doesn't act, I'm gonna do something. Well, maybe what God wants you to do is just to rest and to trust him and let him do something really amazing in your life. I wonder how many times we miss the amazing that God wants to do in our lives because we short-circuited the process, because we ran ahead. We got ahead of God, and we did things our way. We need to not put so much confidence on our own strength because when we do it, it just leads to exhaustion. And sooner or later, we'll realize the fact that we just can't do it. So if you're here today and you're walking in fear or living in chaos or running on empty, you're feeling the weight of the world pressing down on your shoulders. Can I just give you a simple recommendation? Just stop. Just stop. 
and find a quiet place and go talk to God. Find a quiet place. Go for a walk on the beach. Go find a special spot in the woods if you're a tree kind of person and sit there and just spend some time with God and tell him really what's going on in your life and tell him really the fears that you have. The, the, the things that are really the underlying reason why you're feeling so stressed. And just talk to him about it. And then just hand it over to him. Say, God, I trust in you. I'm resting in you. And I'm not, I don't have to figure this all out. I don't have to, I don't have to fix her. I'm just going to trust in you. How did David wrap this up in Psalm 27? He said, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And that may be right where you're at today. And that may be exactly what you need. You need to just do what David did. Just come to God and say, God, I need I need your help. I need your strength. I need you to be the stronghold in my life. You are my salvation. You are my light. God, bring light to my situation. Set me high upon a rock, God. Keep me safe. I don't know what it is you're facing or those who are joining us online may be facing today. Maybe there's a doctor's appointment that's just got you completely, completely wound up. Maybe there's a business decision. Maybe there's a financial situation in your life that's just hanging over your head. Maybe there's a family relationship that's 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 strained and, and, and stressed. And I, I don't know, I could go through about 50 different things that could be triggering these things in your life. But can I just say, you know, look at David. Listen to his word. God tells us what to do. Let's just go to him and put it in his hands. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word truly does bring comfort in our lives. And God, your word brings light. So God, I pray for those this morning that are in a dark place today. And fear and anxiety and worry has really, really playing a big part in their life right now. And God, they, they need you. Lord, I don't know who needs what, but God, you do. Your word says that we're two or three are gathered together in your name, that you're there in the presence. And God, we recognize your presence in this place this morning. And God, we know that you see the heart of every person. And God, you know what's going on behind the doors. You know what's going on in the minds. You know what every person is facing. And God, I pray for that one today, that God, this psalm was for them. Your word was for them today. They needed to hear the word of the Lord. They needed to feel your presence in this place. And so God, I pray that you would, you would give them that assurance that you hear their prayers. You know what they're going through, that you're working a plan, that you're giving them enough light for the step they need to take next. And they just need to trust you for the rest of the path. God, we thank you that you're a God who hears our prayers, that loves us, cares for us. Thank you, God, that by faith we can put our trust in you and be part of your family. Thank you, God, that you are there with us. We look forward to that day as David did when we celebrate with you in heaven, when we, are, we dwell in your house for eternity. And God, we never have to worry or fear or stress or sin or, or, or anything. God, we live in complete and total peace. 
your presence. But until then, God, help us to do what you've called us to do. Help us to be men and women of faith who trust you every day. So, Father, we love you. We praise you this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the presence uh, in our lives, God, and and just uh, go with us, we pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final song this morning.